This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. All right. I have a lot to talk to you about, so I'm going to dive in. Is that okay? It's time, right? It's 4 o'clock is the time? Okay, let's go ahead. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege of GYC and all of the wonderful seminars and sermons and chance for fellowship and just uh, rekindling friendships with those uh, from various different places around the world. We just thank you for this wonderful privilege we have. We pray that your spirit would now be especially with us in this meeting. Give us uh, alertness and give us clarity And help us, Lord, to leave this place with practical ways that we can uh, grow our local churches for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I have a sort of second presentation that I'm not going to share yet because I'm going to finish what I was sharing the first time. I didn't know exactly where to put the cutoff, so... um, Those of you who were in here before know that we were talking about how to grow your church and the importance of all five phases of the soul winning process. You have to prepare the soil of the heart. You have to plant the seed of God's word. You have to cultivate interest through ongoing Bible studies. We need more lay given Bible studies. You have to harvest decisions for Christ. And then you have to preserve that harvest through ongoing systematic discipleship. And we have different goals uh, that... I shared that every local church, the General Conference is, is uh, casting this vision for every local church to be involved in church-wide community need-based ministries because this builds confidence and trust and prepares the soil, have an active literature and media ministry because this plants the seed of God's word, have a vibrant Bible study ministry because this cultivates interests, have regular evangelistic meetings because this is a great way to bring to decision and harvest decisions, and then have a systematic discipleship ministry because this is a great way to make sure that church members are back and engaged in the work and begin to multiply disciples making disciples. So that's where we left off. Now what I want to share with you briefly is that over the next three years, the General Conference Sabbath School Personal Ministries Department is going to be working on resources to help local churches in every one of these five phases, to help with the five goals. The reason for this is simple. Because many would be willing to work if they were taught how to begin. There are many, many, many Seventh-day Adventists who are not the complacent ones. They're converted, genuinely converted, but they're, they don't really know what to do. And they would work if they were taught how to begin. They need to be instructed and encouraged. Every church, what's that? Every church, Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Its members should be taught how to give Bible readings. That's Bible studies. Every church should be training its members how to give Bible studies, how to conduct and teach Sabbath school classes, how best to help the poor and care for the sick, how to work for the unconverted. You don't have to send them to a manual institute in Michigan or to Arise or to AFCO or something like that. Those are centers where great things happen, 
But a, says the Emmanuel director, amen. But in addition to that, you've got to have local churches that understand the obligation that rests upon them to train their members. There should be schools of health, cooking schools, and classes and various lines of Christian help work. So we need to be putting our people to work. That's the best way to retain them. That's what we were talking about at the end of last time. So to prepare the soil, we're going to be working on a health ministry guide and a community services guide. Two uh, little guidebooks with practical step-by-step -step instructions to help local churches know how to do local ministry. So these are not uh, broad, pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. It's more like a health ministry guide would tell someone, here's how to do a cooking school. Here are ideas for different themes you can use. Here's different uh, places to get recipes. Here's uh, you know, how you do supper clubs, monthly supper clubs. Here's how you do a health expo. Here's where you get the resources. Here's how you do it. You know what I'm talking about, practical. So local church leaders can take it and run with it. That's what we are trying to do is create practical resources. Community Services Guide will have ways for the church to have church-wide community service projects, not just three little old ladies running the community service center, bless their hearts, but we need the whole church involved in community service. So there has to be other ways that we can get them involved, and this guide will help local churches to be able to uh, have ideas and know how to implement. To plant the seed... We're going to have a literature and media ministry guide that's going to explain to local churches how to set up their local church for literature and media ministry. Every local church should have a much better literature display and, and distribution system than what most of our churches have. If you go into most churches in North America, you might find a literature rack. And on that literature rack, you'll find... The Adventist Review, the Union Paper, Frontier Mission, Little Friend, maybe a few glow tracks, a Steps to Christ. Most of what's on there will be Adventist periodicals. What we should have in our churches are full displays of message books and literature that our members can be distributing. When I uh, pastored in churches... I would have 30 or so Amazing Facts pocketbooks on every topic, every key topic that, that I would want people to make decisions on, always available, a stack of them in a rack displayed. And then I would have a whole bookshelf with Conflict of the Ages series, the, the inexpensive ASI version or something, and, you know, uh, Almost Forgotten Day by Mark Finley, or When God Said Remember, it's now called and uh, Balanced Magazines, and uh, Amazing Health, and, you know, Hidden Truth, and all these full message literature that needs to be spread like the leaves of autumn. We don't emphasize that in our churches. Our churches should be full of literature workers. Like our members should be literature ready. You understand what I'm saying? This is not, we can't just do a literature project a year or something. We need to get this out because of the things that I shared in the last uh, seminar where I talked about how Ellen White said that the work of the fourth angel will be to a great degree accomplished by the 
publishing houses, by the literature work, that when thousands are converted in a day, that most of them will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publications. We've got to get to where literature is more emphasized in our churches. So this will be a guide on how to do it, how to do literature projects, how to set up, a, and ideas for setting up a literature display, how to, um, how to set up your, your personnel to handle it. You need somebody to be constantly evaluating inventory, somebody who's placing your orders, somebody like a, a personal ministry's assistant who's especially assigned to literature ministry, somebody who's encouraging the Sabbath schools to promote literature in their Sabbath school classes, somebody who, in other words, it needs to be a full-on uh, ministry of the church. And when we say media, now we're talking about uh, files and websites where we can put things available that way. We're also talking about... Uh, you know, utilizing the media ministries in the church. Um, and then I always had a DVD system, like in every church I've had. I've had a full evangelistic meeting on DVD, uh, inventoried by message, out and on display for members to take and give out. And we duplicated them at the church, paid for them in the church. You need a budget for it. I mean, we don't even, so the, the book will have how to set up your budget, etc. It's a totally different way of thinking for our churches. But we need to mass produce literature and media and get it out. That's the, that's the point behind that. And Mission 365 is just a, something we are going to promote because this is a general conference initiative um, that 365 days a year that we are sharing literature. And it emphasizes glow tracks and missionary book of the year specifically. For the cultivate phase, we're in the middle, I would say in the first quarter, about 25% done, of developing a Bible study handbook, which is going to be a rather large resource that is going to help church members give Bible studies. And uh, this is going to be awesome. But I'm just telling you to hold on for it. Uh, don't talk to me about how soon. That's, that's not a fair question. <clears throat> but we are working on it, and it is going to have every doctrine with... The key, the main points of each doctrine, like the main three to five points. So if you're studying with someone on the state of the dead, what are the three to five main points that you're trying to make? Under each main point, it will have the texts that best support that point. And under each text, it will have the explanation of how that text explains that point. So that when you're done, you feel more grounded in and ready to share on that topic. Then you get to the end and it, it summarizes and concludes. Then it has a, uh, a, an, a, a sample appeal in there for if you're sharing it with someone. Then after the sample appeal, it has all the common objections. Uh, usually about eight or so uh, objection questions that are in there. And then there's a section in there on uh, marking your Bible. So if you wanted to mark your Bible, uh, what you could mark. And then I'll have that for everything. And there's a whole, that's the last two-thirds of the book. But the first third is going to be just a lot of uh, inspiration and practical how-tos on giving Bible studies. So anyway, when it's ready, Revitalized Bible Schools, I'm going to put that on hold because I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. We want to develop a handbook, or at least we might, this might start with different PDFs that are made available, but eventually be put into a handbook for public evangelism so that we have clear tools on how to set a calendar, how to set a team, what the team members do, how to advertise, uh, all those types of things for public evangelism. And fundamentals of faith 
is a baptismal guide. Uh, that one's in gold because it will be in gold, but this one's already in print in green. And this is a, uh, how to, or a uh, summary of essential Bible doctrines that basically prepares someone for baptism. It's got check boxes, and when they get to the end, um, it has a little explanation of how they can become a member through baptism or profession of faith. It has the affirmation of faith with the 13 vows, and it walks them through. It, it will prevent many places of the world from baptizing people when they don't even really know what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist yet. So this is very practical, and it will take time to take somebody through it in order for them to actually know what it means for the decision that they're making and to feel comfortable with it. But it's something that we believe is important for, for solid growth in the church that, that stays in the church. Then the Discipleship Handbook, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but this um, is also already in print, but it's being republished. So I'll talk to you about this. This is, I'm going to spend a decent amount of time talking about this in a moment. Eventually, we're probably in the next six months, we're going to have a website up called grow.adventist.org, and that's where you'll be able to stay, keep abreast of how things are coming with the resources. It'll also have training on each of the five phases, like what they mean and kind of um, things like the presentations that I'm giving will probably be made available on there, and it will just be a resource for local churches to go for every one of these phases, and uh, that's just getting ready to be developed. Like I said, it should at least be up in an early version by mid-year. And then um, on that website, there will be a place for you if you would like to um, catch the vision that we are promoting through the General Conference Personal Ministries Sabbath School Department um, to grow your church. Your church, you'll notice, is in brackets. That's because we want you to put your church there. So you'll be able to go on and put your church, it's like Grow Spencerville, or your conference, Grow Chesapeake, or Grow Columbia Union, or Grow North American Division. Whatever it is, you can promote wherever you are the, the Grow initiative and uh, use it to... The, the very logo is a training tool for your churches to help them understand the soul winning process and cycle and keep you um, balanced in what you are to be doing. Now let me give you a little uh, contrasting view um, uh, presentation here to help you understand a little more clearly what is different about the GROW initiative from a lot of the common mentality that's out there about evangelism, okay? Um, the Personal Ministry Strategic Plan takes a broad and balanced approach to evangelism rather than an either-or or single-phase perspective. A single-phase mentality is one that fails to see the importance of every soul-winning phase. It views different aspects of evangelism as competing rather than valuable phases of the same process. So sometimes you'll hear people say, we do random acts of kindness instead of public evangelism. Or, you know, we believe literature, you know, is the key, and they, and they emphasize one instead of seeing the importance of all. So let me give you a few common ideas. A single-phase mentality would say, our church does evangelism once every year. But of course, the GROW initiative would say successful evangelism is a year-round process. 
that includes kindness, truth-sharing, studying, and mentoring, not just the public campaign. Yes? Is this website going to be in Spanish too? Eventually. But initially it will be in English. But yeah, more than likely it will be in uh, probably five languages and Spanish would be one. Single phase. My method is friendship evangelism. Well, that's great, as long as we remember that no farmer prepares a soil without then sowing and reaping. We're to lead our friends into the truth, right? So friendship evangelism is great, but that's, friendship itself is just preparing the soil. So it's kind of reminding us that you need every phase. Different departments might believe evangelism is, true evangelism is different. The evangelism department might say public evangelism is true evangelism. Or ACS or ADRA, compassionate service is true evangelism. Publishing will say literature distribution is true evangelism. Health will say medical missionary work. That's true evangelism. Or the youth will say, no, youth and children's ministries is where it matters. That's right. Every department of the church is vital to the evangelistic mission of the church, yet each must work together toward the mission of leading souls to follow Christ and Bible truth. And there are many places, many departments, many ministries that don't have the end goal of leading souls to follow Christ and Bible truth. That needs to be the end goal of every department. Just keep that in mind. Single phase. Personal evangelism is better than larger meetings, and personal invitations are better than mailing flyers. Well, to that, the GROW initiative says, oh, so true. But even better than this either-or mentality is to do both. Always so beside all waters. We've got so many weird things going on in the church. I read these things from really respected people about evangelism. And they, and they, and they throw out these either-or things. Like, we need to be doing this and not this anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why wouldn't you do both? I mean, this reaches some people that re- this can't reach. I'll give you a, a, for instance, we have a Bible school. I'm going to tell you about it shortly. Um, that... I do internet advertising. I've set up internet advertising for. And at the same time as the internet advertising, we do mailings, okay? Well, the internet advertising, we've found, costs $25 uh, roughly, approximately, to find a Bible study interest. And when you average it all out. A mailing costs about $50 to $100 to find that Bible study interest through this system. So do we just do... Internet advertising? No, because you're reaching different people. It's like, you know, uh, we do direct advertising and we do broadcast advertising. Are we reaching the same percentage this way? No, but there are people out here that we won't reach this way. So it's silly for us to have these arguments about which way is, is, is better in terms of advertising. We should be doing everything to gather as many as we can. Notice what Ellen White said. When both are combined, both extensive meetings like public meetings and personal effort, with the blessing of God, a more perfect and thorough work may be wrought. So she said, if you can only have one, let it be personal labor. But she said, but if both are combined, a more perfect and thorough work may be wrought. So don't say, oh, I'm not going to do public meetings anymore because personal Bible studies work better. Or, I'm not going to do personal Bible studies because we're having so much success with... No, you've got to 
cast the net in every possible way. This is just common sense, right? But some of us are losing it. Single phase. A high number of baptisms is evidence of successful soul winning. That's somebody who's only thinking about the harvest. Grow says, not necessarily. If we baptize too hastily, without taking proper time to cultivate and harvest, it can result in more baptisms because unforeseen problems. Ellen White said, great care should be exercised in accepting members into the church, for Satan has his specious devices through which he purposes to crowd false brethren into the church, through whom he can work more successfully to weaken the cause of God. Wow! The devil's trying to get people into the church. Did you know that? We might be a little bit more careful. The single phase mentality says baptism is the goal of soul winning. But the GROW initiative says baptism is definitely a goal, but not the end goal. We must mentor and train new members to become grounded disciples who make other disciples. If we do not have that as our end goal, we will get messed up every time. Ellen White said, one soul, one to the truth, will be instrumental in winning others, and there will be an ever-increasing result of blessing and salvation. Ever-increasing. That's multiplication. That's what we need. Total member involvement is a global initiative that calls for every member to get involved. The GROW initiative is what we're promoting to help local churches all around the world to know how to get involved. Because you can have every member involved, but they're, if they're all preparing the soil, then your church will not grow. Okay, now I'm going to switch. Stand up and stretch. Go ahead and do it just to appease me, will you? Just to appease me. Um, yeah, I made a mistake. You know what my mistake was? My mistake was not bringing my charger. Anybody with a Mac, a new MacBook charger? Oh, my new friend Angie is ready. Is it a, what kind of charger is it? It's not. It's, it is so close to being the right one, but it's not. Anybody have an adapter from this charger to the new MacBook charger? Do you want to use my laptop? It's Okay. You know, what will happen is, if I get, uh, if it cuts off or something, then, uh, then I'll just wing it, which I can do. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's all right, I got like 6%. <laughs> okay. So, what I want to talk a little bit about here is the idea of... Uh, preserving or discipleship, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get kind of practical here in just a moment. Ellen White said it's evident that all the sermons that have been preached have not developed a large class of self-denying workers. Now, she says the churches are withering up because they're not using their talents. Remember, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Who do we call people who follow after Jesus? Disciples. Disciples. 
Disciples are the ones who deny themselves. He also said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men, workers for him, right? So again, disciples are workers for him. So what's a self-denying worker? It's a disciple. Jesus said, go and make disciples. But Ellen White said, all the sermons preached have not developed a large class of self-denying workers. In other words, could it be that we're making members and not disciples? See, the Great Commission is to make people who are producers. And if we are making consumers, we are not fulfilling the Great Commission. And we need to remember that. So let me give you some keys to successful discipleship here, and I'm going to give you a practical tool that tries to incorporate all of them. Around the world, you'll find that places where they have good discipleship, good retention, etc., they have a mentor or guardian right after someone is baptized. And uh, again, like I said, I'll, I'll share with you some things that utilize these um, particular ideas. Ellen White said, after individuals have been converted to the truth, they need to be looked after. These newly converted ones need nursing, watchful attention, help, and encouragement. These should not be left alone, a prey to Satan's most powerful temptations. They need to be educated in regard to their duties, to be kindly dealt with, to be led along, and to be visited and prayed with. We should also make sure that they have friends. This is why preparing the soil and, and having the whole process in place is important because if you're preparing the soil ahead of time, then you're building friendship in the beginning. Okay? It's hard for people sometimes who come in through an evangelistic meeting, that's their first contact. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's more difficult because let's say they come in through an evangelist. The evangelist is like their only friend. The evangelist leaves and they really don't know the people all that well. This makes it hard. So they need new friends. Um, and we also know that friend invitations are the best to result in positive responses in our public meetings. So having church friends is a very important thing. Um, and by the way, this is just simple empathy. You know, I, some of our members, I have a hard time understanding how they ignore the discomfort that new people must necessarily feel coming into the church. <laughs> and they just like ignore them. I mean, you literally have, they see that one or two people have seemed to connect with them and they figure that's fine and they go and introduce themselves and after they introduce themselves, that's it. There should be efforts made to befriend these people. I mean, that's just common sense, but we need to train people to do it. There also needs to be ongoing instruction for successful discipleship. Ellen White says, new converts will need to be instructed by faithful teachers of God's word that they may increase in knowledge and love of the truth. So, this is, this is three layers of instruction. Bible studies, followed by baptismal studies, or clear preparation for baptism, followed by discipleship studies. So, Bible studies, you have plenty of things to do that. I was just sharing with someone up here, um, Fundamentals of Faith is that resource that I shared a moment ago that's really good for baptismal studies. And if you email, I can tell you how to get... Uh, email me. I can tell you how to get a hold of that. I'll put my email up later. And then for discipleship, I highly recommend the Discipleship Handbook, which I'll talk about in just a moment. There needs to be strong spiritual habits. So 
Remember, Satan well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect prayer and the searching of the scriptures will be overcome by his attacks. Therefore, he invents every possible device to engross the mind. One of the keys to discipling a new member is getting them grounded in personal time with God. And I can't overemphasize this. If they don't have personal time with God, they will usually leave. And I'm telling you that they're going to give you a different reason. And we're going to take our little surveys that we do in the church, which I never trust. And they're going to tell you, oh, this, the reason I left was because so-and-so had this problem. Or so-and-so did this to me. Or so-and-so whatever. And if the truth be known, it was because they didn't spend time alone with God. When you don't spend time alone with God, you become sensitive to all these things. You lose your spiritual bearings. You don't have that, those deep roots. And so all these little things are not really the causes. You understand what I'm saying? And we, we have all sorts of, that's wonderful, but that's not the one. Yeah, that's what she had too. <laughs> it's a 2017 MacBook. That's okay, it's okay. Making me cry, but it's okay. Um, if somebody wants to go to the Hyatt, room 812, I've got it. That's okay. Um, okay, so, but in terms of spiritual habits, it's not just the devotional life. It's also, you know, um, having regular attendance patterns. So we, they, you need to build regular attendance patterns. You need to have regular time with God, that spiritual habit. And you also need them to have regular involvement in the church and in sharing their faith. These are all spiritual habits. So whatever your systematic discipleship plan is, it needs to take them through a process that begins to build these spiritual habits. There also is a strong link around the world between strong small groups and Sabbath schools and retention percentages. So a lot of places put new members into good groups. I really encourage you to do this with your Sabbath schools. Many of our Sabbath schools have become just hit and miss kind of things. Every member of the church should become a member of a Sabbath school class, and they should be held accountable and supported by that Sabbath school class. That Sabbath school class should have ideas for mission and things like that. Sabbath school classes should be operating small groups, but they're not in North America. It's a dying... Uh, but, you know, Ellen White, she talks very clearly about how... Uh, being organized for service, uh, small groups organized for service is a plan given to her by one that cannot err. This idea of small groups for service, and she, she writes about it in more than one place. So Sabbath schools can be that, but if you have other small groups, that, that can be helpful too. And then of course, I should, I should not say of course, because a lot of people don't do it, but training and involvement in ministry. This is as important as any other element in people staying in the church and being on fire. They have to get active. If you do not set them to work, you will be um, looking at a complacent, withering member before long. Ellen White said, once souls are converted, set them to work when? At once. And as they labor according to their ability, they will grow stronger. It is by meeting opposing influence that we come confirmed in the faith. By the way, when do you meet opposing influences? What kind of work do we do that meets opposing influences? This is talking about sharing the truth. This isn't just talking about getting them involved in, you know, potluck ministry as much of a blessing as that may be. 
This is talking about a ministry that meets opposing influences and challenges them. So it's talking about them learning how to share their faith. Right from the moment that they're converted. Let all be taught how to work, especially should those who are newly come to the faith be educated to become laborers together with God. Now, to help in all these, we are uh, planning to publish through the Review and Herald a resource called the Discipleship Handbook. This has actually already been in, in uh, use, and many people at GYC have gotten it because we sold it here at GYC a year or two ago. What you need to understand, though, is this is not, as it says up here, a book about discipleship, like you thought it was. When you thought, well, I'm going to get this book and I'm going to read about discipleship. That's not what it is. It's not for someone to read about discipleship. This is a discipleship curriculum in a book to be used in discipling a new member or an existing member who wants to further grow. It has a six-month discipleship plan in it for new and existing members. You can use it for personal study, small groups, Sabbath schools, or in a new member mentorship program, which is uh, laid out how you can do that in the book. It covers the devotional life, witnessing, church life, Christian lifestyle, the cycle of evangelism. All of that is covered in the book. Like, for instance, the first section on devotional life doesn't just talk about devotional life. It talks about the importance of the Bible, the spirit of prophecy. It gives a biblical uh, uh, defense of the spirit of prophecy and talks about its importance. In, after the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy, it takes you to a Bible and Spirit of Prophecy reading plan in the back, and it gets the new member immediately going through a Bible and Spirit of Prophecy reading plan, a daily reading plan, 15 to 20 minutes a day in the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy. And then it go, talks about secret prayer and the importance of incorporating prayer into your devotional life and challenges them to spend at least 30 to 35 minutes a day in personal devotion through reading and prayer. Then after prayer, it talks about character development through your devotional life. And it talks about family worship and gives them practical tips for how to have family worship. Then after that, it goes into the witnessing section. It talks about the rise of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and its mission and how that mission is the mission of every one of its members. And then it talks about the call for every disciple to witness and how witnessing is not a spiritual gift and gives them ways to begin witnessing. Then after witnessing, it talks about church life. It tells them about how the church was organized in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and how the Seventh-day Adventist church is organized. It talks about church history, how the Adventist church came about, its wonderful truths of doctrine, this, the process. It talks about sacred assemblies, the importance of simply attending, regularity in attending Sabbath school, prayer meeting, and church. There's a whole chapter on that. And helping them to understand that attendance is a ministry. Do you know that, that one of the best things you can get your new members to understand is that attendance is not for them. Attendance is something you do for the church. I'll, you're looking at me funny. But Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. You know the passage that says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manners of some. What does it say right before verse 25 and verse 24? It says, let us consider one another not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Let us consider who? One another. You see, when you don't attend, and when nobody attends, it discourages people. You know, you go to that prayer meeting with three people, and you don't want to go either. But when people come, when it's important to them, when they're saying, no, my faith is important to me, even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to attend, because this is part of my Christian duty, and I, and I 
feel the need to put Christ first in my life. When everybody is doing that, it stirs up love and good works, as the apostle says. It causes strength in the church. So you need to impress on new members that attendance is not just something that it might hurt them if they don't do it. This is something that is now an important aspect of every church member because we need each other. And attendance is a ministry. I call it the ministry of attendance. After talking about church life, it goes into Christian lifestyle. And in that section, it talks about everything. It, talks, it gives an overview of how faith and works go together. And then it talks about Sabbath observance. It talks about reverence. It talks about health. It talks about modesty. It talks about uh, stewardship. It talks about marriage and the family. It talks about modern internet and, and entertainment and all of that. There's a chapter that covers each of those. Not one chapter, but a chapter for each of those to, to go through with the new member. And then it talks about the cycle of evangelism, what we've already talked about, preparing the soil and practical ways they can prepare the soil. Planting the seed, practical ways they can plant the seed. Cultivating, practical ways they can cultivate. And then harvest and mentoring. And when it gets to the, the very last part on discipleship, it encourages them to take somebody else through the discipleship handbook as a, as a mentor, mentoring somebody else. In addition, there is a mentor's guide that has weekly outlines because the idea is for a new member system that as soon as somebody is baptized, they're given a discipleship handbook and a mentor is assigned to them and the mentor has a discipleship handbook and a mentor's guide and that mentor's guide helps the mentor to know what to do in each weekly meeting. It's a one-page outline for each weekly meeting that just gives them a few discussion questions for the chapter that they're going to read that week. And then it has some other things for them to do, like invite them to a Vespers. Get them involved. Take them with you on an outreach project. Um, uh, take them somewhere where they can observe family worship. All of that stuff is incorporated into what the mentor does to integrate the new member into the church. And the whole thing is distinctively Adventist, so it's not like a lot of the discipleship stuff that we've brought into the Adventist church that are not even Adventist. Is distinctly Adventist and highly practical. So uh, just giving you what we've seen to be keys of successful discipleship, we tried to incorporate all of that. So it's got a mentor program with a mentor outline for each one. It, it teaches the mentor how to incorporate, introducing them to, and integrating them into the church so they find new, and make new friends. It gives them ongoing instruction it develops spiritual habits by emphasizing the reading plan, which every week they emphasize in the mentor meeting. They meet with them, and the first thing they do is talk about some insight they got from their devotional time. That's the first thing the mentor is instructed to do is share something from their devotional time and ask them to share something from theirs. So they can begin to try to build, by the end of that six months, a habit of alone time with God, um, as well as encouraging attendance and the other spiritual habits we talked about. Um, you can use it in small groups or... Uh, or Sabbath schools, and it gives the cycle of evangelism, so it gets them involved in ministry. And the mentor is encouraged to take them with them and to get them involved in the church in different aspects. So if you don't have a systematic plan in your church for discipleship, you really ought to get this, like, you know, a bunch of them. And for every new member, now you have a plan, and you just set up a mentor, and you can be mentoring every new member. And what you do is you have a Bible study, Right, And then you have a baptismal study, and you're meeting with them once a week for baptism. And then what we usually do is we baptize them, and then we just see them at Sabbath school and church. 
But no, you continue the weekly meeting. And you continue meeting after they're a member because now they're getting more grounded and you're getting them more involved so that they have deeper roots before, you know, you don't have quite the same regularity. You've got to keep that regularity after the baptism. You following what I'm saying? You're all looking at me a little funny, but if you're cool, we'll keep going. Now I'm going to tell you about something else. When you talk about training church members, um, one of the best things you can do, and I talked about it before, is have a Bible study ministry in your local church. So I want to encourage you to check out this as an example ministry, and if you want to sign up for it, you can email me, and it's biblestudyoffer.com. What this is, is uh, we have a logo that advertises a website where anyone can request free Bible study guides. You could go there right now to biblestudyoffer.com, and you could see how you could sign up for free Bible study. We have glow-sized tracks and many other advertising methods that increase the number of Bible study requests and get members involved. So this is an actual glow track that members give out, and it's just a Bible study offer. That's all it is. And they give it with other glow tracks so that it's a clear presentation of an offer for Bible studies. We have business cards, yard signs, car stickers and magnets, pull-up banners you can put in your church, Large postcard mailers you can send in the mail. Billboards, we did these across Michigan. Uh, internet and social media sharing, you can share the website on social media, share the promo video on social media. And when a request for free Bible studies is made online, the automated system immediately emails the Bible school coordinator of the nearest church. So as soon as somebody signs up, boom, at 5 a.m., the very next morning, your local coordinator knows everything they need to know. You know, dear coordinator, good news. One or more new Bible study requests have been received by your church. This is a sample email. And here's the name, the, the contact info, what they chose, what study option they chose, um, their address, etc. Local church coordinators, this is the back end here, the coordinator panel, um, assign new requests to trained church members who follow up on each interest personally. So this is the list that when they log in, they can see the two interests that just came in. And over here are these different buttons. As soon as they can add a study leader, so I could say, okay, I'm the coordinator, and I'm going to add one of you as the study leader, and I'm going to then click print, and I'm going to print Kayla, her sheet, and I'm going to take it to you church on Sabbath morning, or I'm going to email it to you as a PDF. You can save it as a PDF, either way, and say, will you follow up on this for me? Now, before I did that, I had training for the people who are willing to be study leaders. Did we... Uh... I don't know. Maybe just... <laughs> hey, that's a real charger. Maybe I was too late. Could it be that you were one second too late? Sure enough, it, it's showing me there. That was wild. Um, hey, Mark. Come here and work on this while I talk. That's what much older brothers are for. <clears throat> anyway, so um, I'm going to pretend you can see this on the screen, okay? So what happens is when... Uh, when you get signed up for it, 
you can get a full manual with um, training, just step-by-step -step training on how to follow up on an interest, how to give a one-on-one -on -one study, how to do a drop-off study. It's all there. And then you just hold the, you invite people in your church to go through the training and you just walk them through it, basically. And then they're trained. You get people to sign up. And let's say you get five to ten people who say they'll be study leaders. Well, then when the interest comes in, that's where I was, then you print off the sheet and you give it to one of the study leaders to follow up. When they follow up and they make the visit and drop off Bible studies, let's say it's a drop off, they come back and they tell the coordinator, I've done this now. Then the coordinator goes back in and clicks visited. There's a button there called visited right next to the print button. And that moves it from the new interest list to the active interest list. The, uh, can I do it this way? I can't. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Hold on a second. So, um, <laughs> I'll get it. Where was I? Click on visited. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, brother. So you click on that visit, and they move from the new list to the active list. Okay? What that does is this. You can know, the pastor can know, the personal ministries leader can know, and really, if you have a conference personal ministries director who wants to be involved, they can know how many late interests there are. Here's what I mean. How many of you have ever used uh, It Is Written or some other cards that you mail out, you know, or something wonderful cards or something. You get them back, you have a Sabbath or something, you give them to some members to follow up on. Then what? Do you have really any way of knowing what's happened? Um, ultimately, there's no visibility for any of our systems for what happens after the interest goes out. So what we've done is built in a way so that you make sure that you set up the process so that they come and check. Because in two weeks, if that visited button has not been clicked, you're going to get another email coordinator, and it's going to say, you have a late Bible study interest. Please visit this interest within the next whatever. And that's because it was never clicked. Now, that could be because you just forgot to go back in and click it, or they forgot to tell you, or whatever. But now it needs to be investigated to find out. The idea is we have a ton of interest that we get for Bible studies in the church that we never follow up on. I mean, it's amazing if you think about it. There's a lot of them. And we've got to find a way to get... That's why uh, I just spoke to, a couple months ago, to Chris Holland. Uh, it is written Canada. And he wants to use it across Canada. He loves the system being able to keep track of the late studies and, and keeping people accountable, churches accountable for actually following up. Checks and, Checks and balances, right. Here's the study leader training in the training manual. Okay, so I'm just going to show you real quickly since I've got just a few more minutes. I am going to switch off of here and see. I bet I have internet here, right? Can I get internet here? Does anybody else have internet here? Like anybody connected to internet? <laughs> You're all very encouraging that I can get it, but none of you have it. So that's not encouraging. All 
I'm going to let's see. My normal little, oh, there it is. I got it. Instant internet. <laughs> Exhibitor internet? Okay. We're going to get Mark's internet because he charges me very little. Okay, so this is Bible study offer right here. So here's the way it works. Any church anywhere who has, you know, in North America basically, you can pretty much, if you want, you can sign up and it's free. All right? So at least right now it is. And the way it works is we have two different lessons that they're offered. It is written in Landmarks of Prophecy, and they can click on either of these. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's say they want it is written. They can either receive two study guides per week for their own personal study. That's actually what we would call a drop-off, or a one-on-one -on -one study with somebody. So let's say they just click personal study, because most people do, and they put Bob Smith none at gmail and then I'll use the conference office and what's that address can't remember And then the phone number is optional. You tell them how you learn, but that's optional. And then an offer code. Every church that wants to do it gets assigned an offer code. So if you're a Michigan church, your offer code will be MI and three numbers. If you're in a different conference, your offer code will have a different two letters and then three numbers. If I did not put that in here, then the system would automatically assign me my, this interest would automatically be assigned to the church with the nearest address to this address. But if you put your code on all your glow tracks and all your advertising or whatever, then they'll put that code in when it asks for it, and, um, and it will automatically assign it to make sure it gets to your church. So you hit request offer. I'm not sure if the zip code's wrong. It might mess it up, but... And it says, thank you. You'll soon receive a confirmation email at the email address you provided us. Please allow up to two weeks to process your request. So we tell them they're going to get it in two weeks. Okay, then I'm going to show you, well, there we go. The back end of this. 
it's not looking like it normally does because of the, uh, I'm going to log out a second. The projector makes all of the, whatchamacallit, different. The resolution. Okay. Yeah, it didn't work because of the web, the uh, zip code I put in wasn't right. I was just going to show you how that would have shown up here, but I didn't have the right zip code. <laughs> but it will show up in the new when they have the address right. And then in active is where all your active Bible studies are. And this church that's signed up and logged in to see their interests can now go to order supplies. And right now, the ABC that's handling it is uh, moving so that they're not available. But you can order Landmarks of Prophecy guides, all the DVDs, for Landmarks of Prophecy, they're 80 cents a piece. Um, review cards, which are little quiz cards that you use, um, and that's all in the, in the manual. Um, and then all the advertising cards and everything like glow tracks, and uh, here's training manuals. And all of this can be ordered right through the back end of the website. So you don't have to go to five different places to place an order. It's all right there, and then the Lansing ABC will just call you for your credit card or set up an account with you, and then you're good to go. And then on this resources page, there's a downloadable training manual, and there's a video you can show your church. So I thought I might just give you a sneak peek of that, if it'll play. Oh, I don't have volume. Anyway, this video takes them through in five minutes how it works. So you can show your church the video, show your board the video, explain it to them, and very easily, um, you know, help someone to understand the basics and try to get them to do it. Let me tell you why something like this was developed and why I think it's so important. In Michigan, we have now well over 4,000 Bible studies through Bible Study Offer in less than a year or about a year. That's from just members passing stuff out. We did do some other internet advertising and other things, but we went... Well, I know that's for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should show you that currently we have... I want to say um, about, whoops, that's not the one, 250 or so, I'm going to show you the churches. This is my supervisor access. So those are Arkansas, Louisiana, Georgia, Cumberland, Gulf States, Illinois, a bunch of Indiana conference, Kentucky, Tennessee, and then of course all of Michigan is doing it. 
because that's where we started it. Um, Montana, Northern California, Ohio Conference, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Upper Columbia, Washington. So there's at least one or two or more churches in each of those conferences that just through word of mouth heard about it and are now using it. So if it's in your area, it's your Bible study ministry. I mean, all you do is send in the information you need, and which is basically the name and email of the person who's going to be the coordinator, and then the name of the church, the conference, and the physical address of the church. And then we get an account set up, and then you can start using it. I mean, it's pretty simple, really. And it's just gotten so many of our churches in Michigan that were not, they never did Bible work or Bible ministry, Bible study ministry type of stuff. But when the interest started coming in, they kind of were forced to. And I'm not saying that that will automatically happen. If you sign up but don't do anything, you won't have interest coming in. You have to get them. But still, and the other thing is, we encourage every church in, in Bible study offer to get what we call intro packs, and they have the two opening lessons and a sample DVD and a sign-up card in a clear bag, and we teach them to say one simple question. Have you heard about our Bible school? So every church visitor, every church event visitor, every uh, cooking school, every whatever, when people come in, you give them your normal gift or pen or whatever, but then you say, have you heard about our Bible school? Go ahead, say it with me. Have you heard about our Bible school? And that's a simple way to offer a Bible study to somebody. And you give them the pack and you say, oh, well, you haven't? Well, here, check it out. It's online. You can go and sign up for it and you get these free study guides and DVDs and they're awesome. People love them. I'd love to go through them with you, but if you wanted to do them on your own, you can do that too. Here, take this with you and if you want to sign up, you can either leave the card here at the church or you can go right online and sign up. Non-intimidating. You just tell them about a ministry that you have at the church and you tell everybody. The whole idea is if you want to get Bible studies, you have to ask for them. And we're not doing that. And we're not advertising it. And we're not giving it out. One of the things we like about this is that it says what it is. BibleStudyOffer.com You see the bumper sticker? You know what it is. It's a Bible study offer. And right on the corner it says free Bible study guides and DVDs. And we just get people who are signing up, trickling in every day. You know, there's two or three come in every day. When we are advertising actively, 10 to 15 come in every day. Um... Just to give you an idea, here's requests. And I can go to assigned. Whoops. And it will pull up. Is today the 28th? Yeah, here's my two tests that showed up. Yesterday we had four interests that showed up. One in Indiana, two in Indiana, one in Ohio, one in Michigan. You know, every day there's just a few that are added. And it just keeps adding. We have well over 5,000 for everybody now. So I'm just offering this and the Discipleship Handbook and Fundamentals of Faith as practical tools that are pretty much ready to go now that if you have interest, you'd like to know how to be involved in it or get these resources, you can email me. So I'm going to one more time put up my email address, 
And with that, if there's a final question, I can take it before I close with prayer. Yes? Like here? Yes. No. <laughs> I could wish. I could, I, I have, I mean, I could say I have one copy here, but <laughs> there's a lot more people than one here. Um, if you do email me, though, I can have one sent to you. Um, and I can also tell you, let me show you one other place. Um, did you get my email? Anybody who wanted it? I'm going to take it off here. Um, just real quick, in, on the internet, if you go to a website called trainingcenterchurches.com, trainingcenterchurches.com, you'll see the Fundamentals of Faith and the Discipleship Handbook are both there. You go to Order. And they're also available on ebook. Now, there are going to be some minor tweaks when we publish it through the review. There's a little bit of editing that's going to be done, and we're going to be having that mentor's guide put as an appendix in the Discipleship Handbook, so it will look a little different. But it's the same basic book that you can get now, um, unless they're out of stock. But anyway, you have to check that. So you can order right here online these, these two books on trainingcenterchurches.com. All right, Angie, come. I want everybody to meet my new friend, Angie David. And she is going to be sharing at what time? At 9.15 tomorrow morning. And uh, you don't want to miss it. Do you want to say just a moment uh, what they don't want to miss? You don't want to miss my presentation. (laughs) We're going to be looking at health ministries. I am the health ministry director for North America. And we're going to look at why it's so vitally important that we follow the instruction that Ellen White gave that every member of the church should be engaged in, in the medical missionary work, is what she called it at that time. So we're going to look at why that's important and a little bit about how to do it and some of the resources that we have available. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? All right. Well, let's bow our heads and uh, ask the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time we've had to talk about some practical tools. We pray that as we go back to local churches and fields, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, but more than wisdom. Give us that leadership spirit to make something happen. I pray that the people who are here attending GYC would be moved to action, Lord. And uh, so please help us, each one, to uh, purpose in our heart to, to implement the things we learn while we're here. Bless us now as we go our separate ways for the evening. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.